Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talk about it often. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Danley. Uh, Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Obviously, the Colts had pulled another one out of their hat or another area, Uh, and the Colts are up and they're eight and four now, four and two. Uh, away from home, which is a good record on the road. Obviously, the Colts have always played good at NRG Stadium, but uh, the Colts, you know, they don't uh, they don't fail to tick us off as Colts fans with two points all off of that safety in the second half completely. Uh, the good part of that is that you look at the Colts defense and they only and they shut the the Texans out in the second half as well. So final score twenty six twenty. Colts are up 24-20 at halftime, and it's uh, you know an action-packed first half of that game. Colts kind of luck out with the fumble at the end of the game. Texans are uh, right there, you know, right there to take the game from the Colts because the Colts definitely felt like they were trying to uh, piss the game away. To be perfectly honest with you, we've seen this a uh, handful of times already this year where the Colts simply can out cannot put the game away and. This is what the result's going to be. And with a good team, that's going to be a loss. That's going to be a 27-20 to 20 loss. And uh, the Colts lucked out, to be perfectly honest with you. Played a good first half. Um, I won't say that they played a great defensive first half, but Deshaun Watson is a damn good quarterback. Colts got pressure. Deshaun Watson made plays outside of the pocket. That's ultimately what ended up happening in the first half of this game. Uh, big safety obviously, uh, that uh, kind of turned the tide, looked like it kind of shut the the Texans down, and that the Colts were going to build on that lead. They just never did. So <clears throat> um, kind of a, a mixed emotions about this game. I gave myself another day to kind of, you know, kind of gather myself about this. It wasn't super dramatic or anything like that in terms of, you know, I was just down on the Colts or way high on the Colts. It's just one of those things, you know, the Colts are in a situation now where they can't afford to play as piss poor in the second half or in halves in general as they have lately. Uh, The Colts, you know, 24 points in the first half, no offensive points in the second at all. And, you know, the Colts, I mean, if you want to call it that the Colts, you know, three turnovers, if you want to call the safety a turnover, I kind of feel like it is, you know, in terms you score on a play where you turn the ball over on the other team. What do you, a safety, in my opinion, should be a turnover. I don't know if it actually is. Actually, I don't think that it is. But 
that's the only points the Colts score on on the on turnover in this game. And this is another area where the Colts have struggled throughout the years, putting points on the board following a turnover. And, you know, the Colts just haven't capitalized on that. You get that two points, you're getting the kickoff, and you still do nothing with it. Colts punted one time in the first half, folks. They punted four times and had a turnover on downs on their best possession uh, in the second half. They did nothing with this game to shut down the Texans, to completely step on their neck and finish this game the way the Colts should have finished it. The Colts could not do it and have not done it. Um, a lot of complaining about the play calling. I'm with you on it. Um, I don't think that the fourth and one was a bad call to go for it. I have no problem with that. I think we all are pretty in line with uh, loving that Frank Reich is so aggressive as a play caller and as a coach. Uh, probably as a coach more than a play caller even just because of the play call that actually came to fruition there, which is a, a run with Naheem Hines up the middle. And that, you know, sometimes it works. So I don't want to feel like we're all playing the result here. But at the same time, that is not a high percentage play. I mean, the Colts do not do well uh, with with those odds, however you want to call it. Um, and it just it just was not the play I would have run. I don't think that it's the play that a lot of people would have run. But, you know, you've, you've got the line stacked up there defensively for Houston, and they've kind of owned the front in the most the majority of the game. And then you're going to put, you know, what is actually your lightest and probably least um, powerful back in that position to where he's got to try to push for a yard and a half to get a first down on a critical fourth down play right there all in your, I mean, you take that three points and you're up 27 to 20, which a lot of people and myself included, I wouldn't have been a bad idea. I wouldn't have cared either way to be perfectly honest with you. I do love the aggressiveness uh, from Frank Reich though in the same breath. So I, I'm, I'm not going to say he should have kicked the field goal because I'm okay with going for it. I just did not love the play call at all. And, and in fact, before they even lined up, like, don't do it. Don't, oh, I did it. And he gave it to Hines up the middle and it just went nowhere. So a lot of things could have been better in this game. You have to love the way that Philip Rivers played overall. Um, I thought that he divvied out the ball pretty damn good. 27 to 35, two scores. Uh, he did get sacked a few times, which he's been pretty lucky that he hasn't been sacked more this year because he's been able to get out of pressure enough to get rid of the ball or um, to at least not take the sack throughout the season. This was just not one of those games. The Colts, however, sacked Deshaun Watson five times, and I felt like the Colts were getting good pressure on him throughout the majority of the game. So uh, I think I made the comment on Sports Map Radio the other night that the Colts could have had 10 sacks in this game. I mean, they were within a second arm of getting on Deshaun Watson uh, from at a minimum of three more sacks in this game. The Colts were getting good pressure. The Colts dialed up the right defensive scheme to get pressure on him on this offense, our defensive, our offensive line of Houston that struggles uh, mightily. So uh, we saw how important uh, DeForest Buckner is when he comes back. We also saw how important Kenny Moore is. I mean, what about that interception? I mean, they never did show a real good angle on it, I didn't feel. But that was purely because uh, the receiver was knocked out cold, I think, when he hit the ground. His head hit the turf, and he went back and was uh, in concussion protocol. I don't know whatever came of that, but it looked to me 
as the play happened, that, ooh, he got knocked out from the ground. But that was such a – I mean, that's just Kenny Moore, guys. And I've told you that I think Kenny Moore is as important to this defense as DeForest Buckner. Um, and some will argue that. Some will dispute that and say that that's ridiculous. I just don't think it is. I, I just don't think it is. I think if you take Kenny Moore out of this defensive lineup, I think we'll see a similar result to that of what we saw without Buckner. Uh, the Colts may not lose the game because you still do have Buckner. Uh, Buckner's uh, position in this defense is a more important uh, – it's a more of a, a pertinent area. It's more of a pertinent position for what the Colts do than Kenny Moore, than a corner, right? However, Kenny Moore is as important to this defense, in my opinion, just because of his ability to make plays, defend the passes, tackle, rush off the edge. He's an ass kicker. I love him to death. And, and I think that you can't really go without saying Kenny Moore's name as a 1B to this defense. Now, I know a lot of people will even argue that and say it's Darius Leonard. Um, I'm going to say this year, you're wrong. I think Darius Leonard is excellent. He's he's a huge piece of this defense, and he's three. I mean, let's not go too far away. He's three in this defense. But I think Kenny Moore has got the number two spot sewed up, and he's just played great football for the Colts so far. He's been one of the most consistent guys uh, even week in and week out for this. I mean, covering tight ends, covering number ones, covering slot guys. I mean, he's just done it all, and he never wanes from – putting his best foot forward every single week. Uh, big game from Jonathan Taylor on the ground, seven yards per carry, 91 yards on 31, or I'm sorry, on 13 carries. Nice. Uh, I really liked what we saw from Jonathan Taylor in this game. Um, so many times we've seen him struggle with outside zone runs. He kind of looked more decisive in that area, I thought. I uh, also thought that we saw his vision kind of come into play. Uh, where he sidesteps a couple guys and, you know, one cut and burst. And we saw some of that. I hope that he, I hope that that's something that was innate. I don't don't want that to be something, well, ooh, it worked this time. I'm going to try it all the time. I just want that to be his vision coming into play. And that was the reaction his body made in order to get to open green. Because if he did, that shows you that he's progressing as a running back in the NFL and within this scheme. And that, folks, is super important for this offense. The Colts do not have a stud running back, so to speak. Taylor proved that he could he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he's super powerful, and he full head of steam goes forward all the time. Jonathan or Jordan Wilkins does a little bit here and there. He's usually pretty productive most of the time. He hasn't been as much lately, but you know, you you've got to love what you saw out of Jonathan Taylor. Can he continue to do that? I hope so. Um, am I counting on it? No, I'm not, because the Colts have been up and down with their running game all year and mostly down, to be perfectly honest with you. So hoping that we can see more of that as well. Um, you can't go without talking about T.Y. Hilton in this game. Finally, finally, looks like he actually broke out. Eight catches for 110 yards and a score. Um, just the first, I mean, the first possession, he's, he gets a couple of catches and a touchdown. The next possession, he gets a few catches. The third possession, he's he's making a just an amazing catch, getting his toes in bounds. Um, 
and I didn't even give him credit for having the toes inbound uh, until like that very last angle right before commercial after the uh, the catch. I, I was like, oh, did his butt hit? Did his butt hit? And then you see that left foot come in and just the toe getting inbounds, whereas from any other angle, it doesn't look like it's even possible that it's inbounds, but it was. Unbelievable body control and concentration from T.Y. Hilton on that. I mean, there are so many things we've seen from him this year. It's like, God, just a drop, lack of execution, a lack of concentration. And then you see plays like this that we are used to seeing from T.Y., and it kind of makes you think, damn, where is this Hilton been all year? Big game for him. Uh, Pittman uh, had a, a nice little game, five catches on five targets, 46 yards, nothing special. But, you know, good good help with the uh, from the receiving core here. Uh, obviously, Taylor had a 39-yard touchdown reception on fourth down uh, nonetheless, and that was great. Uh, I want to see more from Moale Cox. Uh, we see some of his big plays, and you just need more. I mean, you've got one catch for 17 yards, and his next two catches were only for a total of six. We've got to see more of the big playability from Mo Ali Cox, and and I, quite frankly, I think that's up to Frank to scheme that. We need more out of Trey Burton. You can't just have seven or eight catches from Trey Burton one week, and then only give him one catch in the in the following week. I mean, that's just not going to cut it. I mean, especially, look, you're, th- you're throwing the ball 35 times. Yeah, you're spreading the ball around, but you've got, I mean, these guys have to get more more touches here. When you've got your leading receiver in 35 attempts, only getting eight catches, the Colts need more from this receiving core. They need m- more uh, more ability, more play game, more play uh, making, and more production just in general from, from the rest of these guys. And they've got to they've be able to spread the ball around at the same time. Uh, on the other end of that, <clears throat> Kiki Kuti obviously just kills the Colts. Eight catches on nine targets, 140 yards. I mean, God, I knew it was. Gonna, I knew he was going to kill us uh, with or without Fuller. The last three games that Kuti has played against the Colts, he has just diced the defense up. Chad Hansen, you don't know him. We, I don't know him. Nobody knew him before uh, Sunday's game. Came off the practice squad, five catches for 101 yards. Now that's Deshaun Watson being able to – I mean, don't get me wrong. You give Chad Hansen uh, all the credit in the world for making good catches and being a good route runner, but you you look – that's this is the kind of stuff that Deshaun Watson can do, and this is what makes him dangerous to the Colts no matter how pathetic the rest of the team is around him. He can make some guys better, and he, he definitely did. So uh, offensively, I think we liked what we saw out of the first half – from the Colts, I, I think that you're you're looking for a, a, a reason to be excited about the second half because the Colts put so much on the board in the first, and you just get nothing from them, and that's got to change. The Colts continue to have bad first halves and come out and just kill it in the second half, or vice versa. They can't be doing this. This has to be a much more balanced uh, attack overall. And I remember looking like, I, and I didn't think it was going to completely stop. I thought the Colts were going to put some more points on the board. I just didn't think it'd be much. I thought, well, second half, this is where the Colts are going to start to trickle down a little bit, maybe a few field goals or something, but hopefully they can keep uh, Houston at bay because the Colts have been this way. They get hot. They excellent, excellent drives for the Colts on their first couple drives of every single game. Always. It's always that way. 
I'm not saying they score on every single drive in their first two drives of the uh, possessions of the game, but they're always, I mean, schemed up great. Frank Reich might be the best uh, first 20 play play caller in the NFL right now. But after that, it feels like it's kind of hit and miss. Frank Reich's got to be more consistent and, and he's just got to be able to get these guys in the position uh, to put some points on the board because it just, it falls off. It seems like just off a cliff sometimes with his play calling from the first 20 plays to the last 20 plays. Uh, there is a big gap in there, in my opinion, on where he needs to go. Um, overall though, you know, you, you gotta like what the offense did. Second half, you get the penalties, the 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 poor decision making, the poor execution. Um, the, this just has to stop. I know the Colts are on their third left tackle. That's a real issue. Chaz Green played uh, after the Raven Clark went down. The Raven Clark now is out for the season, so the Colts have uh, a real issue at left tackle now. I mean, Anthony Costanzo, their stalwart. I mean, the 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 man, the stud of this. Colts offensive line is out uh, and we don't know exactly how long it's going to be, but now his backup is gone for the year. Not only is it his backup, but he's Braden Smith's backup too. So the Colts are really having issues right now with their offensive line depth, especially at tackle. That's going to be a problem. Colts have to come correct and, and do something about it. And they've got to do it quick. Uh, offensively, you just want this Colts team to, to shine or, you know, even if you're only getting, uh, two touchdowns in the first half and a, and a field goal or two, you want to see them be able to spread that out through four quarters and continue to be the, as effective. And I just don't feel like we're seeing that, uh, from them and, and you know, for better or worse, you have to expect that. And at the NFL level, uh, the Texans defense is, is good. I mean, any, anybody with, you know, JJ Watt on their, on their team is going to have a pretty damn good all, uh, defensive line. The Colts still had ample opportunities to make plays. They had ample opportunities to, to get things done. And when, like I said, when you get into having penalty after penalty, when you're trying to put the damn game away and you can't because you keep having mistakes pop up, that's an issue. Uh, that's an issue that's continued to go on now for a few weeks, and the Colts have to get that shored up. They, they just simply have to. Um, 26 points still looks good when, and, until you see that the Colts scored no offensive points in the second half. Um, I, I just don't know how the Colts – honestly, I don't know how the Colts' defense completely stymied the Texans in the second half because they wouldn't have had to do much. One touchdown, and the game is over. One touchdown. And, and they should have been able to do that, and they couldn't. So give the Colts defense credit. Uh, they played a good game. They got a lot of pressure on Watson throughout the game, um, even in the first half. Wat, like I said, Watson was making plays outside of the pocket. Uh, huge, huge play to Kuti uh, that set up his rushing touchdown early in the game. And then you end up seeing that you know uh, Deshaun Watson was able to do a few other things uh, with that. David Johnson ended up getting a touchdown a little bit later, and then the other points were obviously just field goals from Fairbairn, a 52-yarder and I believe a 43-yarder uh, from him. So, you know, overall two touchdowns to Deshaun Watson. Uh, 
you know, you're okay with that, uh, especially that he didn't throw any, you know, and he did throw a pick. So you like that, and you, you see that you got consistent pressure on him. You made him throw the ball 38 times because their running game is trash, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. So, you know, the Colts running game looked like trash as well. You take uh, Phillip Rivers and, you know, uh, Jacoby Brissett out of that, and you've got four attempts for uh, negative one yards. So you take those out, and the Colts had a pretty productive game running the ball aside uh, from Naheem Hines. Jordan Wilkins didn't really add much either. Um, but, you know, offensively, the, this this Colts team has to become more consistent. Uh, and, and they have to be able to do it a lot. And, look, Colts have four games left. They've got to be able to prove something. And they've got to be able to prove that they belong in the postseason for sure. So uh, we'll come back, talk defensive uh, game in this one. Uh, a big AFC South matchup for the Colts taking out the Houston Texans 26-20. We'll talk about the defense right after this. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, we're back. Uh, let's talk about the defense, because the defense made uh, quite a bit of noise <clears throat> overall on this. Anthony Walker had a really good game, started out really well. Uh, Anthony got himself in trouble with some penalties as well in this game. And, you know, quite honestly, he, it it just looked like he was going to fall apart. But he had a really good game overall. Uh, had a tackle for loss, a pass defense, 11 total tackles led the team. Kenny Moore, three pass defense. I mean, just I, – I don't I, – I, I could continue to gush over Kenny Moore uh, each and every week. Second in the team in tackles – uh, with eight, Leonard had six overall. Uh, and then you get to a guy like Justin Houston, who granted, I think one of them, at least one of his sacks was a, was a coverage sack, but 
Houston was impressive in how explosive he looked coming off of that stunt, uh, especially on the safety. But Houston looked good, had three sacks. DeForest Buckner had two. Um, and like I said, this could have been – I mean, there were several Colts that were near getting uh, an, another sack on him. Both he, uh, both those two, Houston and Buckner, had three hits on uh, Deshaun Watson. Grover Stewart had a hit on him. Tyquan Lewis got a hit on him. Um, so you're just – you're as happy as, as it gets – for the total for tackles for loss and the way that the defense really kind of just exploded uh, when it comes to getting the pressure. There was a lot of pressure. And Deshaun Watson sometimes, I mean, I don't know how he escaped half of the ones he did, uh, but he did. Kamoko Ture got some playing time, didn't have a lot of production, just two tackles, but he's he's going to be inching himself back. Uh, so we're going to have to wait and see how that happened. And, and here's here's the thing I took away from the game throughout the majority of it. We didn't have to see Rocky Sin get smoked. We didn't have to see Rocky Sin with penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty in this game. I thought TJ Carey stepped in and played a really good game. Uh, Sound had a really nice pass defense uh, against the tight end. And uh, I, I just... Was I was just impressed with with Carey and how he played, and it was nice to. I mean, Rocky Sin got a lot of playing time. Don't so don't get me wrong. It's not like he was sitting on the bench, but it was nice to not have to have Rocky Sin as a detriment to this team. Um, anytime you can get that, you know the the, God, the talent's there for you, Sin. He's just not putting it together, and you've got a guy who's a seasoned veteran in T.J. Carey who I thought stepped up and played a damn good game, quite honestly. Um, there, there's there's a lot of guys who played pretty good football uh, the other day, and you just continue defensively to, to see that. I mean, the Colts held the Titan, or excuse me, the Texans to 5 of 13 on third down. That's good. Here's the kicker in the ass. The Colts were 3 of 11, uh, 1 for 2 on fourth down. Not the stats you want to see. Not at all. Okay? Um, the Colts only gave one penalty up for uh, a first down. That's uh, something that is good. Okay? We're going to like that because they give they give up a lot. But most of their penalties are stupidity plays. Uh, you know, illegal shifts, uh, false starts, holding calls. Those aren't anything that uh, the opposing team is going to catch a first down on. They're, they're keeping themselves from getting first downs, and they – uh, it just seems to continue to go downhill once they start. It just seems like it's a, a trend. Like, oh, you want to get, you want to ruin the game? Yeah, I'm going to try and ruin it too. Let's do this. So they've got to get that shored up. The Colts have to be more disciplined in that area. Um, like I said, the Colts had five sacks. Uh, the Colts were one of two in the red zone. They held the Texans to two of four in the red zone. Seven penalties for 50 yards for the Colts. Looks good on paper in terms of uh, uh, penalty yards, but they were critical. They, they just wouldn't allow them to shut this game down and take control. Colts led the turnover battle as well. Uh, didn't turn the ball over themselves, but turned over the Texans twice. And like I said, I'm going to consider that safety a turnover because that's exactly what it is. You sack the team in the end zone or you – 
tackle the the opposing team in the end zone and you get the ball back. That is a turnover, and you get points for it. So you, you add those two points to the Colts uh, points off of turnovers because they need it right now because that's an area where they're really struggling this year is putting the ball in the end zone following a turnover. Uh, Colts led in first downs 25 to 20. Uh, Colts did get beat in the total yardage category, which is not really all that important. Uh, nearly 400 yards of offense for Houston, 371 for the Colts. The Colts did lead in time of possession, but they're – really is an issue with the Colts on third down now. I would venture to say without looking at the rest of the league's stats that the Colts are probably in the bottom six or seven uh, in third down efficiency offensively. That's a real issue. And let me tell you, that is going to get the Colts smoked in the playoffs. That is just an absolute fact. There is no way that you can have uh, less than a 30% conversion rate on third down and expect to do anything in the playoffs it's not going to happen and let me tell you right now the Colts uh they've they've got to put their best foot forward if they're going to do anything uh in the playoffs make the playoffs um it's it's getting tight I mean we saw what the uh what the Browns did to the Titans yesterday the Browns now are sitting at nine and three I mean, look at okay. So the Bills are nine and three. The Dolphins are eight and four. There's your wild card hopeful for the AFC East. There uh, with the Dolphins, obviously the Patriots aren't completely out of it, but they're. I mean, at the moment we're gonna kind of rule them out. The big game, the big game for the Colts is this week against the Raiders. The Raiders are seven and five. They played two games that look completely like shit, and that's not who they've been all year. So here's what you look at when you think about the Raiders. You think about the way that they've been able to manhandle some teams, the way that they've gone into Arrowhead and played the Chiefs to the last minutes of the game. They played well at home against the Chiefs. They about beat them both times. And then you've got games like they've had the past two weeks where they just get smoked, smoked by Atlanta. And then they barely beat the, the, the Jets this past week. So this is a situation where we don't know who the Raiders are right now either. And though the Colts have had their share of games where they've looked like crap, they've only had one real ass whooping, and that's last week. And they have to do something about that. They've got to establish themselves as a better wild card or possible playoff-worthy team than the LA or the Las Vegas Raiders because right now the Raiders are in the mix, the Dolphins are in the mix, the Browns are in the mix for the wild card, and the Colts are in the mix. So you've got legitimate teams here and here and here's the thing. The Browns beat the Colts. The Raiders, they'll they'll play the Colts here uh pretty soon. The Colts haven't played the Dolphins yet and they haven't played anybody else uh for that matter in the AFC East uh that matters. This is an issue. If you've got to, so the Colts are going to beat a playoff team in the Titans. They've already beat them. The Colts play the Steelers. They've been beat by the Browns. They've been beat by the Ravens. And the Colts are going to be playing the Raiders this week as well. So the Colts have to prove that they can beat a playoff worthy team. They've got to beat the Raiders. They've got to handle business the following week against the Texans again. They've got to do that. And they've got to look a hell of a lot better than they did this week in terms of consistency throughout the game. 
Uh, they're going to play the Steelers, who just took their first loss to the Washington NFL Football Club. Um, nobody guessed that was going to happen. Uh, just it's just not something that you would have expected. But they're going to come out, and they're they're a legit one seed. I mean, they are them and the Chiefs are every bit one A and one B. The Chiefs have put more points on the board throughout the year. The Chiefs have also allowed a lot more points, uh, roughly 43, not roughly, exactly 43 more points than the Steelers' defense has. Um, so, you know, you you have to – you've got to do something again. You've got to prove that you belong on the same field, at least, with the Steelers. Do I think the Colts are going to win that game? No. But do they also have to prove that they can play with those guys to the bitter end? Yeah, they better. And then the following week, the final week of the season, the wrapping up, is to get some revenge on them damn Jaguars. The Colts have to beat Houston. They've got to beat Jacksonville. And honestly, I think for their mental makeup, they've got to kick the hell out of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders this week. This week 14 game probably could not be more important to the Colts' uh, playoff chances. You don't know what the Houston, uh, the Titans are going to do, but you've got to get yourself to 9-4, and four, and you've got to get the Raiders to 7-6. and six. That's a must. That's two games. Two games up with three to play. That's a huge game. And if you can't sweep the rest of your games in your own division, especially when you have a combined a combined record, folks, of 5-19 and 19 against the Texans and the Jags, you're not a playoff team and you don't deserve to be one. That's just the way it is. Okay. Now the Colts have allowed the fewest points in the AFC South. I mean, by a wide, wide margin, uh, I think the closest is about 50 points and that is the Texans. The Colts also are second in points four next to the Titans. So the Colts have a more well-rounded team than the other two teams that they're going to be playing in the Texans and the Jaguars coming up. Uh, to kind of finish up the season. It could not be more pivotal. The Colts need to go 3-1 and one in their last four games, in my opinion, uh, for many reasons. Yes, to probably have a chance to take the AFC South. Maybe not quite as heavy in terms of wild card hopeful, but the Colts have to get to 10 wins at least. You've got to get to 10 wins, or you're probably not a playoff team this year. I just don't... I mean, look... The Browns are at least a 10-win team. I mean, they're 9-3 and three now. They're at least a 10-win team. I think it's easy to say that the Dolphins are pretty damn close to a 10-win team as well. And you don't know what the Raiders are going to be. If they're going to be something like they were three weeks ago, they look like a 10-win team. In the past two weeks, they look like they're maybe a 4- or 5-win team. But they've already got seven on the books this year. So this is a pivotal, pivotal week for the Colts coming into their game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, the Colts, uh, I'm not going to say they took care of business. They survived against the Texans in their first matchup, uh, when it looked like they should have dominated that game, uh, looking by all accounts and the Colts just gave up too many big plays and the Colts were unable to be consistent throughout the second half to kind of put that game on the shelf, but the Colts have to do what they have to do the rest of the year. They've got to win three of these four games. And I think that it's pretty obvious that. Uh, the Steelers are the better team when it comes to the Colts. They are more well-rounded. They've got more firepower. 
Um, they've got a more explosive offense, obviously, and their defense is is insane. So, can the Colts beat them? Sure, they could beat them. I mean, anybody can. We've seen it. I mean, hell, Washington just beat the Steelers, and nobody has any idea how that happens still. But they should beat the Raiders if they play anything like they've played the last two weeks. They should definitely handle the rest of the AFC South with their Jaguars and their Texans games. Those two games cannot be losses. They cannot be. The Colts are in the most pivotal part of the year, obviously with four games to play, and they've got to get it done. Can they get it done? I hope so. Because I don't want to be talking about the Colts losing to the Texans and the Jaguars and missing out on the playoffs because they simply couldn't beat a team or two teams that combined for five wins on the year at this point. And heading into week 14. I mean... Uh, disgusting. So not to mention the only win that the Jags have is against the Colts. That's a smack in the face right there. So um, not, not what you want to see from the Colts in retrospect overall in the, in this week 13 uh, win over the Texans, but you, you, you take the win, you see how important Buckner was. You see, uh, that you finally got T.Y. maybe with some confidence going into the remainder of the season because he could be huge. I mean, if you can get T.Y. rolling heading into the last month of the season, that's that's I mean that's everything for this offense because they need explosion. You got a little bit of it from Pittman for a couple weeks. You need to have T.Y. Hilton showing that he can be explosive and. Uh, if I said, if I told you that I expect him to do that the rest of the year, I'd be lying because I don't expect him to, but you still got to have him getting, having the potential to break out each week. That's what we need. That's what the Colts need. The threat to break out each week. You let him get those crossing patterns. You get him open in midfield with space and TY is excellent. T.Y.'s got to continue the same kind of route running that he did. We've talked about that in the past. His route running has been suspect, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go through and and, and do a, a click-by-click look at each of his routes over the past two months, but he was more decisive. He was quicker off the line of scrimmage. He followed his uh, routes really well. And I, I think that that's a big part in, in why we saw him. Plus, the Colts schemed him open a little bit as well. That's a fact. I mean, you can go watch. I watched the game twice, but you can definitely see that the Colts schemed him open. Um, you also see the play where he gets a back shoulder throw from uh, Rivers. Perfect timing on that. You see him being able to toe tap in with getting hit by two guys. I mean, that are pushing him out actively, and he's able to get his feet down. That's the kind of stuff that T.Y. Hilton needs to start making his mark with. Um, th- this, this is going to be a very interesting final month of the season right here for the Colts. And uh, all we can do is kind of hope that some of these trends take off. You hope that the front end uh, of this Colts defense can continue to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Um, and... Quite honestly, against the Texans, they should uh, again in two weeks. We don't know exactly if they're going to be able to against the Raiders because the Raiders will, while the Raiders will try to go deep and they will try to elongate some of their passing routes, 
what they're also going to do is they're going to try – I mean, Gruden has already seen what you do to the Colts' defense. That's the, that is the template. Get the ball out quick. Get your receivers. Move the chains. Don't – I mean, if you get a big play opportunity, take it. But the Colts, after about the first quarter of continuing to get about two or three steps and the ball being out of the quarterback's hands, they're stop, they stop being effective with their pass rush completely. You take that Colts' defense front four completely out of the game in that regard. Um, so you hope that they can continue to stop the run. You hope that you can force a team like the Raiders into trying to push the ball downfield more, which gives the pass rush more, uh, opportunities to make a play. And you like what the Colts are doing coverage wise, just in general. I mean, uh, Xavier Rhodes has turned everybody's head. I think that you love what Julian Blackman bl- brings to this. And the, and the Colts were even without Kari Willis this past week. So, uh, hopefully the Colts can get him back. He's definitely a physical presence as well. Um, good things for the Colts on the horizon. I hope folks, the Colts are now eight and four. Um, really, I mean, two and two in the division and they really need to, to continue to do what they have done. They have to continue to maintain possession, but they also have to have good games from, uh, Philip Rivers, they've got to establish some sort of ability to run the ball effectively, whether it be between the tackles or in that outside zone uh, concept. They've got to be able to force their hand, but they've got to be able to put their foot on the neck of their opponents late in the game when they can put it away. And the Colts have not been really able to do that lately, uh, and they and they need to. That It's an important piece to this offense. You know how Frank Reich wants these games to go and how he designs his play calling to be perfectly honest with you so um for right now it's smiles because the Colts win you don't love how it ended you 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 love that the Colts ended up getting a turnover out of that last drive inside the 10 but you don't like that the Colts really didn't have anything to do with forcing the fumble you know I mean bad snap uh fumbled from Watson it it is what it is but you, you 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 like to see the end result, which is a win. Hopefully the Colts can do the same against the Vegas Raiders uh, coming up here in week 14. So uh, eight and four Colts still in the playoff hunt for sure. Still in the top three of the wild card. And uh, let's hope that that continues to bolster itself and the Colts can get themselves up to nine and four uh, by week 15. So uh, we'll be taught. We'll be back at the uh, later on in the week, excuse me, to uh, talk about the Raiders a little more. Um, you should get something from Stampede Radio, definitely from uh, Pancakes as well. And uh, another win for the Colts. So all is not lost. The Colts are okay when they have uh, a, a less than perfect game uh, out of their play or from their uh, coaching one way or another. You, you just hope that at least the Colts have won that game, and that's what the Colts did here uh, with a 26-20 win over the Texans. So, uh, folks, we will talk to you, uh, within a couple days. And, uh, like I said, we'll dig in a little bit more on the Raiders and see what, uh, what we've got there. So until next time, we'll talk to you guys later right here on the Colts cast. Stampede blue.